education is an essential part of ensuring that future generations are equipped and empowered. My guest today is Amanda Fernandez, a social entrepreneur and CEO, co-founder of Latinos for Education, the first Latino-founded and led national organization dedicated to creating leadership pathways for emerging Latino leaders in education and diversifying education nonprofit boards. Amanda, welcome to Eva Talks. Eva, thank you so much for having me here today to talk about such a very important topic. It's uh, something that you have dedicated your life to. It's your mission in life. And now more than ever, I want you to share with the audience what has been the impact that COVID-19 has had on education for the Latino community. So the impact on the Latino community because of COVID-19, as we all know, has been profound. The media has shown light on the massive disparities that exist in communities of color. In particular, the Latino community, as we know, is, uh, is unfortunately experiencing some of the largest impacts of COVID-19. A few things that are happening from an education perspective regarding COVID-19 and the experience of our Latino community members, our families and our children uh, I'd say the, the top three things that we're seeing in terms of needs of the Latino community as a result of COVID-19 are technology access, number one, as we have all been transitioning to using technology to educate, and we call it remote learning. We are using it as a tool to facilitate learning between educators and students. Uh, we are experiencing a technology divide that has always been known. It's just that because of this, there is a light that's being shined on these massive technology gaps that are existing with our students. Uh, many of our students lack access to basic technology equipment, a computer, headphones, Wi-Fi access. We are seeing that even while, while school districts are distributing computers to students, they may not have Wi-Fi access. So th this is one big issue that multiple students are experiencing in the Latino community. I'd say number two are family-friendly learning resources, in, particularly, in particular those that are bilingual. And we, we need to see an increase because right now we have so many classroom teachers who don't have the training they don't have the understanding of education curriculum and instruction, particular bilingual education, that we need to do more to disseminate more content to parents, uh, to their guardians. Uh, we need to distribute more reference tools for parents to actually use in their homes with their students. I'd say the third thing, the third thing is the resources and protections for immigrants and undocumented young people. So with, with too many families who live in the shadows, who lack capacity to advocate for themselves out of fear for deportation, families are facing an elevated fear of voicing their need for housing, medical care, utilities, food, etc. So in this environment where COVID-19 is top of mind, uh, it's impacting families regardless of documentation status. 
So this is an area where we need to also consider better protections for families because when families are experiencing fear and trauma, students are, are experiencing it in their homes and they are being affected uh, educationally as a result. We can say that you have your work cut up for you in a way because those are incredible challenges and yes. very important because education is part of how these children are going to grow up and what opportunities they're going to have and how they can, how can communities benefit from that. Let's talk about the parents, uh, the Latino parents, and how have you had to adapt your work to provide resources to those parents uh, during these circumstances? So Latinos for Education, first and foremost, does not provide direct service to families, Latino families. But what we have seen uh, is, is a gap in information and access to resources that we believe that our Latino community needs to have access to. So a few things that we've done, uh, one is we were identifying that uh, there was a disparity in the level of information that was coming out from school districts that was translated into Spanish. So there were more resources, more information that was being shared in English versus Spanish. So uh, because we are a Latino serving organization, we have bilingual speakers, of course, on our team. We, we made an attempt and have been serving in, in a liaison type of role, translating important resources into Spanish utilizing social media to share tips, tools, resources for Spanish-speaking families in particular to be able to access, to bring in tips that they can use in the home, to give them more information about what is happening in the schools around distribution of food, of, of shelter, of access to technology, etc. So it's one way that we've pivoted the work that we do at Latinos for Education to have a quick response to a very pressing need in the Latino community. A couple of other things we've done, uh, we launched a, a relief fund for the Latino educators in our network. One thing to understand is the Latino educators who are part of Latinos for Education in our network, many of them are first generation, are, are part of mixed status families, et cetera. So there are a number of hardships that are being experienced by our Latino educators. So we recently launched a relief fund called the Conganas We Can Relief Fund, and that is to support our Latinx educators, some who may have lost jobs, et cetera. And so it is a way that we're also trying to help our community. That's incredible. We take so many things for granted that many people maybe are not aware uh, or understand what are the challenges that Latinos face today in having access to education. We think that anybody that lives in the United States has every resource and every access and every opportunity, but maybe that's not the case. And that's why organizations like yours are so important. Can you tell us a little bit more about those challenges? Yes, there, there are challenges that the Latino community is facing educationally, that is unquestionable. And I think it starts with 
what we see in education right now is a tremendous disparity of resources that exist within lower income communities and uh, higher income communities. So you'll notice that uh, in higher income communities, they have enrichment, they, have, they do have technology, mm -hmm. they have advanced classes. All of the things that prepare young people for, for life, for college, and for success and prosperity, what we have seen over time in education is uh, gaps just to begin with in terms of access to resources and opportunity such as those that I mentioned. That, that is to begin with. When it comes to certain um, access that wealthier children have, um, one that I'll name that I think is really important is access to early childhood. So we kind of take that for granted that um, so many children have access to pre-kindergarten. To pre and that is one of the most important places where children start to develop. And it is where we start seeing gaps um, exist. So it's at the onset of education. So it starts at pre-K. I, I make an argument that uh, we should be we should be really seeking universal early childhood access for all children because it is the first inflection point where children face challenges. I would say a couple of other inflection points in education that uh, are obstacles for Latino children. It's, it's in that transition further on in, in their K-12 experience between third and fourth grade. When you're in third grade, you are uh, learning to read. When you go to fourth grade, you are reading to learn. When Latino students are not able to read, um, they are not able to learn. So we see significant gaps in uh, test scores and other metrics that show sort of where Latino students are uh, educationally. That's another big inflection point. A, a couple of other places are um, around that eighth grade time frame, And then of course, uh, later on in high school when we're seeing lower rates of Latino children who are uh, graduating from college relative to their wealthier peers. So I think it, it unfortunately persists throughout the K-12 experience, but I think the important point here is that it starts very young, and so we've got to address the issues at a young age to get more kids on a better path to an equitable education. So you would say that those are the steps that ha have to be put into place in order to move forward for them to have better opportunities and then uh, go into college much better prepared, have the opportunity to go into college and, and have a profession and, and be competitive. You have okay. spent over 25 years working in the fields of recruiting and diversity, organizational development, change management, strategic planning. And, and also surrounding the Latino community. Why do you think that Latinos face so many obstacles in accessing positions of leadership and influence in the education and in the business sectors? That's such an important question, and it's one that we hear uh, within the Latino community, no matter what sector you're talking about, right? So we are missing representation, we're missing a seat at the table and a voice. I got into education 
Uh, I left the private sector and came into the nonprofit sector to work in education because I believe that it's education where we have to make the biggest strides in representation, both for teachers, because it starts with a Latino child being able to see a role model, to be what they can, to be what they can see. And so it's very important that we increase the representation of Latinos who are in the, the schoolhouse, all the way up to the state house, who are making decisions. So I think it all boils down to the fact that we aren't providing an equitable education to enough Latino children in our nation. That is why we persist in seeing these leadership gaps at the boardroom, um, in the private sector and leadership roles, and in other sectors. It all boils down to where education begins for students the quality of the education that they're getting, the support that they're getting, and the access that they're getting. So I think it's it's um, going to continue to persist unless we all come together across sectors to work toward and contribute to a more equitable education for more Latino children in our country. Absolutely. What are you most proud of in terms of your work for, uh, for and with Latinos for Education? So, uh, I'm certainly a Latina with a lot of pride, but <laughs> uh, it's certainly not always easy for me to talk about what I'm most proud of because I'm still evolving as an entrepreneur. But uh, what I will talk about is uh, some work that we are advancing in education around uh, amplifying the voices of Latino educators and Latinos who work in education. And it is the emergence of advocacy work that we are doing at the state level. So we have uh, locations in Massachusetts and in Texas, in Houston, but we also uh, are starting to do work at the national level in making sure that Latino voices are at the table, that we have our own agenda as it relates to what we think are the most important things that are necessary at the legislative level, uh, where obstacles can be removed, that will benefit the Latino community most. I think it's been a missing component in education. What I found early on um, in this work is that uh, we were missing from important conversations. As we often hear from Latinos who are in leadership positions, we're often the only person at the table, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I was seeing was that as different groups were coming together and forming to have an advocacy or a policy agenda, there was not a Latino voice, uh, enough, there was not enough of a Latino voice, I should say and one that was organized and had a strong agenda that could influence um, what was happening legislatively. So that is a journey that we're still on, but we are really uh, focused on advancing an advocacy and policy agenda that will benefit our students and families. Well, I'm gonna jump in and say that you have to feel very proud of the work that you do and give voice to so many children, I always wonder, you know, when we've had so many opportunities in life, 
what that person feels, what that child feels, and you have to have okay. a sense of responsibility. What if it were you? I mean, just do it for the sake that if it were you, wouldn't you want someone to fight for you and to give you an opportunity? And yeah. I think that what you do is incredible and, and that more people need to know what's going on. So if you wanted our listeners to take away one piece of information today, what would it be? How can they help, by the way? So I, I go back to this idea that so many of us came to this country or were born here uh, with parents that came here with a dream. Mm -hmm. And for most of us, we hear this all the time in our Latino community, education was the number one thing that our parents came here for, to provide us, and I'll speak for myself, that is why mm -hmm. my parents came from Cuba. It is why they came with no money, with no idea how to navigate this country. But they said, I have a dream for my children that they will get access to an education in the United States of America. So we have to use that as a Latino community, as our galvanizing mechanism or experience, I should say, to come together, to, to get involved, to know the issues, to participate and be involved in what is an important collective effort for our Latino community that more Latino children are getting access to a great education in the same way many of us were able to get. So we, we need to use that as our platform. It is the one way that I think that if we can involve Latinos in the business sector, in healthcare, in other sectors, we have to start seeing ourselves as part of an ecosystem of people who can influence outcomes for Latino kids. And so that is the one thing I would say. You're so dedicated to your work. I mean, just hearing your voice and how involved you are. How do you manage to balance your professional life with a personal one? Something that I always ask <laughs> uh -huh. uh, because uh, it's something, I think it's something that women are very curious about when they see you. So put together, very successful, doing incredible things. And they wonder how does she do it? So I'm not going to say I always look put together, so we'll, we'll start with that. I try. I try. Um, we all do. But, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, I have the amazing privilege of getting to do the work that I do, which is at the intersection of skills that I've built over time with passion with something that drives me, it just drives me every day. So what's so fortunate for me and I, what I'm grateful for is that I get to do work that I'm very passionate about and I'm good at it and I'm successful at it. Uh, it is never an easy balance. Um, what I have done though as the CEO of my own organization is to put boundaries in place because the boundaries can blur so easily between home life and your work life and the other things that you're involved in, whether it's hobbies, other boards you're on, or uh, other things that you're doing to help the community. So I think the main thing that I would say is uh, for, for so many of us who have 
been very driven to be successful and we put that as a priority, we have to give ourselves permission to put boundaries in place because we are multidimensional. We are not just one thing. And I've learned to do that a lot better. Um, I will say, again, as the CEO of my own organization, I'm able to manage that and control it more. Um, so I think it might be harder to do in another setting, but at the same time, um, I think those boundaries really matter and, and keeping those in place and staying true to those. I would have loved to listen to this advice from you when I started off my career. I, I would have suffered much less <laughs> than right. I did, actually. Absolutely. It's finding mm -hmm. that, and, and it, it's very true what you say. I, I always talk about the fact that we can do anything that we put our minds to. And, you know, okay. I come from a background that I didn't finish my university, and I'm a firm believer in education because I think it prepares you for whatever it is that you're going to face in life, but not all of us have that okay. same opportunity. Okay. And, um, and I think that if you put, like you say, your passion, your drive, your determination, you can really make your dreams come true and, uh, and achieve everything that you put your mind to. What is the meaning of yes, you can for you? So it's a motto that I've used in, in my work in Latinos for Education. And it really does mean you can accomplish your dreams if you do it passionately. passionately. You can achieve your dreams if you're dedicated and with the right kind of effort. So the meaning of, of yes, you can really aligns with a value that has been very important to me and has become one that we use a lot with uh, our efforts externally to promote our organization. And it, our value is called uh, uh, con ganas, and we work con ganas. And that is something that the team at Latinos for Education, we strive for on a daily basis. We do believe that con ganas we can, and that we can come together, rise as a collective, work con ganas to ensure that our students and our families are achieving an equitable education, and it's something I talk about a lot. We can, but we must do it con ganas, and we must do it together and rise as a collective. It is a value that's really important to me because it's one of the distinctions of the Latino community is that we, we do see ourselves as the collective. We see our success as a collective. It's not just my success, it's your success. So that's why Gunganas We Can is important to me. You are an inspiration, Amanda, absolutely. And Gunganas, I'm going to tell you <laughs> that I hope that uh, more people get involved, that they support these initiatives, and that we're able to provide better opportunities for Latinos and Latinas. You are an incredible Latina. And, and please continue to, to do the work that you do to strengthen our communities. Thank you so much for participating in the podcast. Thank you, Eva. It was a pleasure to be with you today. I appreciate it.